Welcome, everyone. This is Rod Zeeb. I'm the founder and CEO of the Heritage Institute. And our podcast today is with Lori Coonan, who isn't really a guest because she's the chief learning officer of the Heritage Institute. So welcome, Lori. Thank you. Well, first, can you just give a really quick kind of summary of your history with the Heritage Institute, which will kind of explain some of the things we're going to talk about as we get along here? Sure. So in 2004 is when I first learned of Heritage Design, when you came and spoke in Appleton for the Financial Planning Association meeting. And at the time, I was the director of the financial planning department for a small wealth management firm. And I was sitting there with my team. It was a round table, I specifically remember. <laughs> uh, and we were actually close to the front. And when you started talking about <clears throat> heritage design and where it starts with the family, I hit my boss at the time and I said, this is where financial planning needs to start. And he looked at me and shook my head because of course I had taken on way too much that I was already doing and he didn't want me to go in another direction. So anyway, but I knew it felt like home and with my background in psychology and business and math, it just really made sense. So I was very per persistent and long story short, completed the certification process in 2008 and then um, 2008 brought that market crash and then there was also turmoil within the company which didn't allow us to then focus on heritage design services or offering them so I followed my heart and retired from financial planning and started my own business in 2009 and yeah. then in 2010 is when you asked me to join as a regional director for the Midwest. And then, uh, <laughs> as they say, uh, the rest is history. We just <laughs> continued to, uh, I helped lead training and then I helped start writing some of the curriculum and I'm the chief learning officer and here I am. And, and that's really what the topic for today is going to be is about how the industry has changed and moved from where we started and how our training has, because part of what when you came on in 2012 was a pretty big shift in how we did our training and what we, how we train um, into the coaching program that we do now. <clears throat> so um, when we started the Heritage Institute, we kind of took the road less traveled. I mean, you know, so to speak, I mean, back then the driver for all the multi-generational planning, pretty much all planning was the fear factor, right? 90% of families are going to, you know, blow up and their wealth is going to be gone in three generations. So you need to do something. Um, and the problem was all the research that I found back when I started the research was focused on the negative, not on the positive. It was what's going wrong. And I didn't really care what went wrong. I want to know what went right. So that's what we studied. And from the very beginning, um, we didn't want this to be an academic program. We we came up with all this stuff and took it to a couple of colleges and university and it wasn't going to work that way. Uh, so we wanted to create a program for professionals who wanted to actually help their client families, you know, rather than just engage in an academic study of the topic. And you were part of that as we built that out. At that point, the entire industry or discipline, whatever you want to call it, was in what is now referred to as Wealth 2.0. And over the past decade or so, we've been morphing from Wealth 2.0 to what's now being called Wealth 3.0. Um, and, you know, and, you know, and our training did along the way the same thing. 
So can you describe for the listeners kind of what's the difference between Wealth 3.0 and you know where we're going and how is it different from the Wealth 2.0 where we've been? How I see it, I mean, um, Wealth 2.0 was more of led by the matriarch and patriarch and it was top down. It was right. like, you know, we're working with them and then we're going to tell the children what they need to know and what they do. And well, 3.0 is more is that more of that integrated approach, or uh, I've heard someone call it a flatter conversation. So it's more horizontal. It's really allowing them to the family to talk adult to adult and share their input. And um, well, 2.0 was more of an either or. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about a blessing or a curse. Well, I think well, 3.0 has evolved to it's a it's a um, a both and. So, you know, acknowledging it for what it is, but then making it what works for the family. Uh, fear-driven, you mentioned that, well, 2.0 was fear-driven, and now it's more of a what works and what supports the family. And, you know, even when you studied it in the beginning, you were focused on what the 10% did differently, not focusing on what the 90% did wrong. So, you know, I think THI was, was already um, the foundation was already there for focusing on what worked. Um, wealth 2.0 was more of the, you know, the negatives, the dysfunctional family, the, you know, focus on what's breaking things apart. And while 3.0 is just, I think, a, a different perspective where you're asking that next appropriate question to understand people's different perspectives, understand that you know, each of us have, have grown up in the world, in a different world, because we have different perspectives. And that's not only, um, you know, generation-wise, but it's gender-wise. It's in different geographies. And I think that really is a key focus when getting together with families, helping them understand that that might not be your perspective in your world, but I do have a perspective that's just as legit, you know? Right. Um, so I think that, I mean, is a real big one now that people are focusing on. And we really emphasize in our coaching program and helping people understand it's not the truth, it's a truth. And asking those next appropriate questions to really understand what the person means. Because we could be saying the same thing, but seeing, but saying it differently you know, we have the white paper, Sustaining Family Wealth and Unity. And in, in my experience over the years, it's much less about unity because we talk about the family's desired outcomes. It's more about harmony. Right. And really helping each of the family members have their own voice, have that comfort to share what their opinions are and doing it in an adult to adult fashion, you know, with crucial conversation skills, crucial accountability skills, and really taking it to the next level for the family in a harmonious way versus, you know, focus on trying to be united, which has many different meanings for many different people. And usually it just means we all have to say the exact same thing. And um, I don't think that's where we are today with families. No. And that, that is, again, the top down versus where, where we're at today. I mean, um, right. You don't get harmony when everyone sings the same note by Doug Floyd. Yep. Okay. And, and that's it's, my favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's true. And and if you're 
trying to drive people into something that they're not, it's not going to work and they're not, not going to continue into it. It's amazing to me how many times as we've as we get through working with purpose statements and things with families, you'll hear some version of helping everyone in the family be the best them that they can be, as opposed to fit this little mold that we're going to create over here onto the side uh, and supporting that, you know, the family, helping everybody be that and for the family to support that. Yeah, I totally agree. No. No, and that's great. And and you know, it really is when you when you look at it, even things like the shift in you know 50, 40, 50, 30, even 30 years ago, most families were within 10 miles of each other. I mean, you know, they, they, everybody was kind of together. Now mm-hmm. that didn't happen. I mean, you know, and so mm-hmm. some of the cultural things that we didn't recognize in the past, we recognize now because people in the family have moved to an area that's a different culture. And so it, it's impacting them. Um so yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of that goes into this. It isn't just the economics. It's not just the, it, there's a lot of things. It's the global economy, and it's how much we move and how much we 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 have shifted. If you haven't listened to the podcast that Jim Grubman did with us, you want to listen to that too. That that ties to this. And when Jim and I were talking, um, we both guessed that it was about 2015 when the movement really started going in. I mean, you know, his comment was that they didn't really do anything they just named it and i thought yeah well that's you did a whole lot more than name it but yeah <laughs> but it was in process before that um and uh you know i can trace back to there was a group put together back in 2012 there was a group called the council for shared leadership that uh, Kristen keffler who's along with jim grubman and dennis jaffe and um it was a group of about a dozen who were in this industry in some way or another and it was um, it was diverse. I mean, there was there were psychologists, there were uh, financial advisors, there were you know these advisors. Uh, some of the people that you would know are people like Tim Belber and Courtney Poland. Courtney's you know a family coach, not a financial advisor. Scott Farnsworth, Barb Culver. Um, there's just a bunch of us. Uh, David Kahn, who works with businesses. So and 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 from our community, there was uh, Richard Delmani and and Charlie Haynes and I. And it was interesting. We went through this. We we worked together from 2012 until sometime in 2014 and came up with some really good stuff. And then we had, I remember this meeting we had, and I don't remember who asked the question, but it was like, okay, who's going to be the champion? Who's going to take the lead on this? And it was hilarious because we were all pointing at everybody else because it's like, you know, this is phenomenal. I don't have time, you know? And so it kind of died at that point. And uh, I was telling Jim, I think even in the podcast, I was telling Jim, so I was thrilled when they decided to really jump into this when Jim uh, announced, I kind of, I guess, announced this or whatever, uh, back in 2019 at at, uh, Purpose Planning Institute's rendezvous is where it was kind of brought out. This is where we're going. Um, And... uh, and having that leadership and having somebody that can focus on that is is huge. Um, and can I interject there, Rod? Yeah. You know, one thing you said is kind of it 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 died after that, and I would have to disagree and say we kind of did what we could. Yeah. As part of our coaching program in our in our training, because one of the things that I think came out of there, if I'm remembering it correctly, is they wanted more standards. They um, we're looking for ways to train uh, consistently. And that's really where we 
put together the certification coaching program so that people um, took the academies or training in the right order and implemented as we went. And there were written exams and, you know, a lot of that stuff. So we were hoping to implement at least the part that we had capacity for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the Council of Charge Leadership died, not the, not the movement. We, we, the movement continued and it continued um, with some of the stuff that, that Purpose Planning Institute's been doing, you know, in, in their training and collaboration and, and, and all that stuff. So that it's continued to move. Um, and, you know, again, you know, there's, it's interesting that we see a lot of people who are lifetime learners, you know, want to be considered thought leaders. And so they want to think about things, but not actually do anything. Um, and that's never been the, the case with us. And it's interesting that the people who are really driving this, it doesn't, if that's not them either. I mean, these are people who are academic and they're thought leaders, but they've also do, done it. I mean, they actually work with families, which I think is, is huge. Um, you know, so, but, but talk a little bit about that is, you know, how do you describe the difference between the thought leader and the do leader and you know, what we're looking for in order for this to work with families, somebody's not to actually work with the families. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's a huge part of this is getting it out of just the academics and getting it into practice. Yeah. And I think, you know, that I think that was really one of the huge shifts that we made in our training is helping our HDP candidates, as we call them, to be do leaders, because we wanted them to implement as they went, creating that confidence. I think one of the things that is a hurdle in implementing what you learn is that you don't have the confidence to try. Right. And, you know, as part of our training, we do uh, create space for them to practice and to try out try out different scripts or different introductions or frames and and really get feedback and uh, peer review from their coaching group. So, I mean, our community really consists of top professionals that are like-minded and not only thought leaders, but do leaders. They do take that initiative to bring it to their clients or prospects. And um, one of the other things I think that shifted from when I started training until kind of today is that, you know, when I first started, we could take whatever courses we wanted or academies we wanted at whatever time. And there was a specific process that we needed to take the families through because that was the proven process that you and, you know, Perry had like ironed out with the families you were working with. So, you know, the main families you guys were working with were in a culture of top down, you know, whether they were business right. owners or whatever, that was just who you guys were working with. But as more people got trained and started working with their clients, I mean, specifically for me, I was getting engaged by generation two it, and it was being brought up to generation one. So our experiences have, as we have the do leaders in the community, we're having different experiences and allowing the process to be a little bit more flexible. So, you know, we know the 12 elements that are needed for families to be successful. And we know, you know, 
guideline of, of steps and processes. But I think with the training being more structured now, our mm. process itself has become more flexible because we're meeting the families where they're at. It doesn't have to be step one, step two, step three. It's identifying the family's desired outcomes, where they're currently at, where the gap is, and how we can help them get there. And I, you know, I want to clarify real quick because you said identifying the family's desired outcomes. When I started, identifying the family's desired outcomes was asking mom and dad what the desired outcomes were going to be, and that was what was imposed on everybody from that point on. And I love that Jerry Nergi, you know, years ago made the comment to me that I'll never forget is, you know, are we planning at our children or with our children? And um, you know, now when we talk about getting the family's desired outcomes, we're getting it from the whole family which is completely different. <laughs> so, Yeah, there's, I mean, there's the family champions that get us started. Right. So they share their desired outcomes to engage the family, but, you know, maybe not the first step, but it could be, you know, that second step for sure. We're getting input from, from the whole family and where they want to go next and what they see as a valuable part of the process. And developing that leadership from one generation to the next. I mean, it all boils down to, from what we studied way back when, creating that culture of communication, trust, and mentoring in the family. Um, you know, that's wrapped around their family purpose. And the family purpose now is really, like you said, defined by the family from input from everybody. Uh, and culture just takes time. And, you know, and that's got to be, and you have to have that mentoring or it's not going to go from one generation to the next. So you, you, all those pieces are there. Um, <clears throat> one unique thing about Wealth 3.0, I, I, I may not be unique, but one thing that really stands out, I think, in Wealth 3.0 is it, it requires interdisciplinary cooperation. I mean, it, it's talking about mm -hmm. con connecting with all the disciplines. So, um, effective collaboration in Wealth 3.0 isn't an option. Okay. It's, you know, mm -hmm. you got to be able to have effective collaboration. And there are lots of people who talk about collaboration, very few who do it well or have even done it, and even fewer who have any kind of a process for it or you know, they understand how it's going to work. Um and 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 that is that's part of that's been a part of our training from way back when, but you've enhanced it a lot in the last since we've gone to the coaching program in 2014. Can you talk a little bit about how that works, what the collaboration training is all about. Yeah, sure. As I mean, as you said, it's it's not a optional elective <laughs> in Wealth 3.0 because you can't be everything to the family. Um, families need many different things. So having a collaborative team that includes the client so that we know exactly what their desired outcomes are and the purpose behind it so that we can help them really identify where they're headed. You know, they don't, they don't know what they don't know. We, we know our worlds, our professional worlds really well, mm -hmm. state planning, financial planning, you know, and we know what's possible with all the different vehicles and, and processes and structures and options they have. But if we don't understand their exact purpose, we could be just putting um, something in place because that's what they heard they thought they needed from a friend, right. but they don't know all the ins and outs of it kind of thing. So really having each of the specialties 
bring their expertise and knowledge, but also who they are to the game in order to really help that, that client, that client family, um, thrive and achieve their desired outcomes. And we do make that as one of our advanced uh, trainings that is, is part of the certification because it is so critical to understand that, you know, you, you can't just do it all and you don't know what you don't know as well. And, and when we talk, you, you touched on it, I want to emphasize it. When you talk about that, we're not just looking when we do talk about collaboration with the other professionals for their professional expertise. We are looking for that. But we're all also looking for their wisdom and their their lifestyle, you know, what they've learned, life lessons and stuff. So it's the whole person that we're looking at, not just their whatever their professional little niche is. Yeah, uh, their technical expertise. Their technical right? expertise. Yeah. yeah. So. And one of the things we really emphasize, and I think this is where the you know collaboration may break down for many, is the I don't know if I want to call it transparency, but it's the communication with the whole team and, you know, really having, you know, whether it's a progress update, you know, items, this is what we wanted to achieve. This is what we've done. This is what's coming or notes so that everyone's on the same page about what exactly was said and who's doing what by when really to keep things moving forward for the client and, um, holding each other accountable for the client, you know, not in a negative way, but really just, you know, trying to keep progress moving for the client to get their items achieved. And you did touch on one thing earlier that that's kind of a miss people don't get a lot of times the collaborative team includes the client. It isn't just a collaborative team of professionals that the professionals are there for the client, you know? So, um, that is something that, that sometimes uh, professionals have a hard time grasping is that, this is a team effort. And when we're talking about the client, we're not just talking about mom and dad. It's the client family. Um, and that's, you know, as coming out of, uh, out of the law practice world. Okay. For me, my client was mom and dad. It wasn't the family. And in fact, the, the, the bar association considered to be a conflict of interest for me to work with the kids because they could get into a beef with mom and dad. So, you know, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm not a practicing attorney anymore. So, it really is. It is a complete team, and it's not just the technical expertise. It's the the people skills too of everybody on that team. And when you can unleash that, the power that that does, you know, for and with the family because they're part of it, is just amazing. So, so now um, some people are going, okay, kind of get this wealth 3.0 thing, kind of get what you're talking about, but you know, this is a lot for you know 30 minutes. I'm not going to get it all. Um, so we're doing this, you know, this is now February of 2023 in May of 2023, the first week in May of 2023, we have our 20th anniversary. You want to talk a little bit about how that is going to feed into all of this for people who want to kind of get the, uh, the 20,000 foot view in a hurry without jumping into the coaching program. Yes. So our kind of focus for the 20th anniversary conference is really how much change, exponential change has happened in the last 20 years. So where we've come from, where we're headed, and really tools and skills and different speakers we're bringing in to really share kind of 
what they see for the future. One is focused on kind of the increasing role of women, um, the changes in philanthropy and what that means to advisors, not only philanthropic advisors, but financial advisors and, you know, where their money <laughs> is going and uh, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, really where we're headed and it's our conferences are, are, are unique in, in my opinion anyway, because we do it more of interactive. So we're going to have speakers, but you're also going to be able to share from your experiences and our, you know, you'll learn from your peers in the audience. We'll also have panel discussions mm-hmm. and the time in between each session along with that lunch is really a time when our community they actually love it the most because they learn from each other and the mindset or the environment i guess that uh, the heritage institute community has always been is this abundance mentality of sharing and making each other advisor better so anything that you know community members can do to support mm-hmm. each other happens and it's it's wonderful now we're also going to do it as a hybrid so if you can't get there you can watch it but i agree with you there's a lot that happens in the room that you can't just you're not gonna be able to do if you're if you're hybrid but if you can't be there there is an opportunity there just is an option for that um where you'd be able to to watch it and get the recordings and all that that we're doing but you just won't be able to have the same interaction that you would have sitting in the room or get hugs from the community or the community from the community (laughs) This is one of Especially our first in person. thing, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, I guess to follow up with this, uh, there's more information on our website. There's more information about the annual conference or not the, the uh, 20th anniversary conference on the website. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to email either one of us. It's pretty easy. Uh, Lori is L-O-R-I at theheritageinstitute.com. And I'm Rod, which is, believe it or not, Rod is R-O-D. It's amazing how often that becomes R-O-N or R-O-B, but R-O-D is in dog uh, at theheritageinstitute.com. So, and we're happy to answer any questions that you have there. And hopefully this has been helpful. That, Lori, thank you very much because you've been a huge part of the shift that that this community has gone in since, well, I guess since 2011, which when you really started moving or 2012 into the, into the, uh, um, chief learning officer role. So thank you for thank that. You. Yeah. Anything else we want to add? I'm just looking forward to seeing all these people. So I hope <laughs> they join us for the 20th anniversary conference in Dallas. And and that's probably a bigger thing for us because we haven't had an in-person one since, since 2019. 2019. Yeah. We were supposed to have our annual conference in 2020 and the first week in May. And obviously that didn't happen. And so this is the first one we had uh, since 2019. And we're all looking forward to it. All right. So thank you very much. And I hope this was helpful to everybody. Thank you.